Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Oh! Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Ran out of breath on that one, man. Dude. Are you okay? I don't know. The, The second take, it's just harder to get it out in full force. You know, I put a lot of my um, my zest into the initial take there, but um, excited to be here. We got a solid crew. We got Robert, the Milkman Chambers. Fuck yeah, I'm keeping it. Got Hot today. Mickey. Oh yeah, and we got uh, Lucas and uh, yes, sir, and you're truly <laughs> God. Uh, <laughs> topical. We haven't done a topical in a minute, I feel like. At least I haven't been on a topical in a minute. I think the last one was just you and... No, I think it has been a bit because, like, we did two games back-to-back, and then we did uh, a... I think we did a draft in there, too. Video game auction episode. Video game auction. It has been a minute. I'm excited to get to uh, just some some news of the day. Uh, I took a peek at some of the topics we we got lined up here, and I'm actually pretty stoked to talk about some of this stuff. It's actually been pretty newsy. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm talking all box office stuff for my topics. I'm not sure if you guys saw the sheet. Uh, Barbenheimer just happened, so got a lot got a lot to unpack there for myself and uh, happy to get updates from, from the rest of the team with what everybody's got to report on. Shall we? Yeah, sir. let's do it. Let's run it. All right. Uh, who's going first? Do we spin the wheel? Matt, you picking? What are we doing? I'm picking me. All right. All right. Go <laughs> for it. Yeah, Topic one, some. Matt. Um... This is one that, honestly, everything behind it is still kind of unclear. But Elon is evidently rebranding Twitter into (sighs) X. That is not EX. That is not some some Latin something else. That is quite literally the letter in the alphabet X. (laughs) Um, Elon has some history with this letter. I'm not even kidding. Um, I forget what. I saw this. It was PayPal. It was PayPal. It was yeah, PayPal. I saw this too. But essentially, he, he bought back the domain from the banks that he had sold, I think, this domain to you previously, all part of like, the PayPal stuff. Bought it and is officially... I don't know. If it, I heard it was going to be today, actually, the day of this recording, the 24th. But so far, I still have the blue bird on my phone. Um, but yeah, apparently, Twitter is going to be just rebranding to X. This is all a part of Elon's kind of master plan to do kind of trying to make i think like the one and all social media app um which is interesting and you know what i gotta say like elon has already done more for creators on twitter than like that company did in years of it being in existence you know um like with the ad revenue share now and the payouts for that i mean that's that's pretty impressive that he's doing that now in my opinion um like you can literally like meme accounts can literally turn that into a living which is Truly incredible, I think. Damn. Um, Didn't realize you you liked Elon like that, Matt. Wow, dude, you like Elon? I like empowering creators. <laughs> good, good deflection. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> yeah, I saw Mickey sent an X earlier of some Rashid gameplay, and I was pretty no, blown away no, by that. No, no, no. It's not an X. It's a Zeet. A Zeet? <laughs> you sent a it's Zeet. A Zeet. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's now, what the hell is a Zeet? Yeah. <laughs> it's the rename. It's what tweets are now. Yeah, it, oh, that's it's what it's what called now. A Z. They call it Z. X. I'm not saying X-E-E-T. <laughs> that's some reptilian yeah. shit. No, no. That's I think didn't so Elon stupid. actually Z it out? He said like somebody said, "Oh, what are they called now?" If we're not called Twitter, and he just said X's. Dang. 
But now I guess uh, we're calling them Zeets. Zooted yeah, and Zeeted. But, I'm uh, pretty sure they're called Zeets now. They're like, like quote Zeets. I don't know. It's I will so call them that. I will call them that. I, I refuse. This is stupid. Does that mean as that if Twitter, as if tweeting Zeter? wasn't already stupid? <laughs> Matt, are you a, are you being an apologist for? <laughs> no, X I'm and just Z? saying everyone's gonna get angry about this because it's Elon. But like, it's just like cool to hate Elon. Like, I'm not saying I like him, but like, just don't hop on the train. You know? How do you feel no, about I, Twitter I, rebranding I, to X, Matthew? I'm kind of indifferent. What I don't like is that it sounds a lot like E Corp for Mr. Robot, which is literally. A, like known as Evil Corp. I don't like the foreshadowing that's going on there. Yeah. Um, on a personal level, I like the bird, but like I think in six months to a year, no one's really going to care because everyone's too ingrained on Twitter. Apparently, Threads sucks. So until something truly better comes along, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't care that much, but I think tw- the name Twitter and their logo was pretty good. Like and, yeah, and it had a good is, theme. Like yeah. it had a theme like of, of the birds, and then he had like Mickey, Mickey cute little back away from the mic a little bit, so. Mickey. Thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Continue the, though. Like it, it had it had nice themes, and like it's very well known. Like you got it's hard like trying to create a new term for like social media stuff that like a lot of social medias would kill to be able to be able to build that brand. And Elon is just saying fuck it, threw it away, and now put it as just websites x which now can get mistaken like mistaken in google searches with just like x videos now children can actually see <laughs> yeah i know i did see yeah that's gonna be pretty it's bad like, it's so stupid like oh it, man this was yeah. not thought through yeah it, 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 was, question, <laughs> it makes me question how make, elon like mickey what's x videos popular i'm not going <laughs> we're not going adult, down that route it's just like adult content that's <laughs> all you need to know it's thank you content. mickey we didn't know but we had no idea, in fact. Um, Mickey, yeah, as the most on Twitter of all of the guys here in this recording, you don't like it. So I think no. that's something to go off of, you know? Yeah, I do not like Tw- it. Twitter is your, or X is your main social media app of choice. It's where you, you live. Use it. Yeah, it's it's basically where you live on social media. You're always uh, taking X's and putting them inside of our Discord for breaking news and things like it's, that. It's where, I, it's where I get my I, news. You know, I honestly, I do agree with Hot Mickey on pretty much all this stuff. I think X is just a really lame, like I, the logo looks terrible. Like the logo is really dumb looking. And uh, I don't like the oh, recolor. Is the logo already? Yeah, there's a logo. Oh, oh my God. And like, I, 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 I just don't like or... any of it from a creative standpoint. I think it all looks very generic and really lame. And I know Twitter, like, it, you know, in a vacuum can be corny sounding and stuff, but at least it's like, Friendly sounding, blue in color. The logo is somewhat, I mean, the logo is aesthetically pleasing and actually like has good design concept behind it. But X is just like, what is this logo? Chambers, art guy. I'm looking at it. Logo? Um, it's, it's a fine like logo, but as far as I, I don't think, I think it's worse than what Twitter had going already. I think Twitter, like I, we already said it, it has like a good logo. It makes sense in what the function of the app is. X doesn't seem really connected at all to what the platform actually is. Um, and it's, yeah, it's boring. It's, it's uh, black and white. It's a literal, I don't know. <laughs> it feels like, uh, like a 1960s sci-fi writer came up with <laughs> 
the idea. I'm kind of wondering if, because the whole idea is he's trying to make like it this like all in one app. I'm almost wondering if maybe they'll keep some of the Twitter branding and like eventually, like it'll be like, like act like X will be like the main app and then it'll have like sub apps within it. You know. Um, Sounds like but what we'll Facebook see. is. Time will tell. It, yeah. it doesn't look like that's the case because like all like the Twitter assets, I'm pretty sure are all gone already. Besides the URL, I think t- URL is the last remaining thing. Like I, I have Twitter open right now on my other. Oh monitor, shit! I have an X map. And if, if I, if I, it still has the bird icon on the tab. If I were to refresh the page, because if I, I've opened new tabs of Twitter, it comes up as X now. So this is the last remaining. I'm clawing. I'm holding on to the old bird. The oh, moment man. this tab resets, it's gone. <laughs> oh yeah, dang. I wonder if my phone update. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, hey, at the end of the day, he paid forty billion for it, so whatever. I guess it's yeah. kind of crazy. All right, I got uh, I got my news for you boys here today. Let's hear uh, it. I'm very excited to report on Barbenheimer and uh, the greater box office story that's happening and unfolding in front of our very eyes. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, you know. Several years ago, there was a worldwide pandemic and movie theaters were struggling very, very much. Pipelines got ruined. There was like two, two and a half years of bad movies, basically. Uh, just like the B, like the C tier movies that studios had in their pipelines that they didn't want super wide releases for, that you had to go to the drive-in for if you even went. Uh, and now movies are back. It's a huge summer. Um, we just had the biggest opening weekend in box office uh, well, the biggest opening weekend at the box office since COVID-19. Uh, really cool stuff. Obviously, leading the way is Barbie, uh, which made all of its budget back, actually, which is uh, really crazy, with an opening weekend of $162 million. Uh, right behind it, about half that, $80 million with Oppenheimer. Um, nothing to sneeze at, really. Uh, and then, right, this is weekend two of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One, which I know Chambers is just dying to see just based oh, on yeah. the title alone. That's a good title. Uh, so, uh, I you did know, see it. it. It is really fun. Oh, okay, cool. I, I, I was actually I wondering. Okay, cool. Have you seen The Sound of Freedom? No, I did not. That's did a Matt movie that. for sure. I think he's, I think he's yeah. that one. I'd be uh, in line with his beliefs. So Matt, the number Which three, movie? the number three movie uh, of this weekend, of this past weekend, Barbenheimer weekend, is a little film called *The Sound of Freedom*. It's small, uh, fifteen million dollar budget. It's essentially an indie movie. It is a faith-based drama about rescuing children from child sex trafficking in Colombia. Uh, <laughs> has had very, very little marketing to it. Uh, nowhere near Barbie or Oppenheimer, but it beat *Mission Impossible* last weekend in box office sales. And you've probably never heard of this movie. Um, that's, a, that's a Matt movie right there. It's mildly QAnon adjacent. Just really? what? <laughs> I mean, oh it's a, okay. So the thing, the thing about this, and this all comes from this reporting a lot comes from uh, the town, which is the ringers kind of Hollywood business podcast. Great podcast recommendation for anybody out there wondering about Hollywood. Um, the sound of freedom has had like a little bit of a unique story where they're, they're definitely, Okay, the guy that plays the main lead character in The Sound of Freedom also played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ. Like, Oh, it's that guy? It's that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chambers knows that guy. Oh, man. He got um, fucked up in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. He was playing a guy who legendarily kind of did. Yeah, uh, legendary so, hell. So, uh, 
the the sound of freedom and i'm not saying this to like i'm not knocking anybody's like faith or anything like that is a faith-based drama which traditionally hollywood does not really like serve hollywood typically does not serve that demographic of people right so that demographic gets their big movie coming forward and i think honestly a lot of people that probably would have seen indiana jones or mission impossible last weekend probably saw the sound of freedom but the other thing about this movie is it has a really it's about child sex trafficking right which is like a really big um like how how do i say chambers like a really big concern of the far extremely far right QAnon adjacent like people that are it's it's frequently part of and it doesn't it's not even exclusive to the far right and the QAnon people but it's a it's a go-to for a lot of conspiracy theorists that politicians are or hollywood are all part of like child sex rings and stuff yeah Um, yeah i mean the real crackpot stuff is that like and you hear, you literally can hear that. I mean, it's Googleable. You could probably easily find these kinds of stories of like certain extreme people do think that children are like being used to keep politicians young, like Hillary Clinton or yeah. <laughs> just Bro, have you or seen Nancy stuff. Feinstein, man? Like that girl looks like she's ready to kill over. Like, no wait, way. Nancy Feinstein or, or oh, Diane Feinstein? Diane Feinstein. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah. Nancy Pelosi or uh, Feinstein. But anyway, I mixed, anyway. Up, I mixed up the Wicked Witch of the, w- Witch of the <laughs> West with the Wicked Witch of the East. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so this movie is obviously hitting like a really big demographic. And the whole thing is it's obviously a very, um, like, it has a social cause behind it, right? Although the filmmakers and some of the producers are not claiming that it's like an outright you know QAnon adjacent type of thing it's just kind of supposed to be faith-based and all that stuff um and after the movie there is a question what's up can you dive more into the faith-based aspect of it of me are they like pushing like is it literally like christian propaganda i'm a little confused no i don't want to use the word propaganda but i mean it is a christian basis for the themes in the film like christian christian belief is a a basis core like theme basically yeah yeah so um after the movie, there is actually a call to action that goes out of people like a link basically where you can donate money and get the message of this movie out. And what the studio is doing is using that money to buy more seats for people, run Instagram Instagram ads saying there are free seats to this movie at your local theater. And what? People are going to go watch it for free. Uh, but the, the movie is actually just being sort of artificially... Uh, inflated ticket sales because that's what the studio is people kind of doing with their people are buying that's other wild. people tickets yes. without even knowing it. <laughs> so you can go to a quote yeah. sold out screening of sound of freedom but there's only like half of it full or a quarter of it full so in some cases stories i've heard there's like three people full i've heard of that happening at the grove actually here in la um and there's also and this is crazy i read this on the new york times there is a little bit of a victimization mentality going on with some of the folks that are even going and seeing this movie, saying like, oh, AMC cut off the AC in the movie theater. The projector <laughs> broke down. They don't want us to see it, which is why which is why we have to go see it kind of thing and donate. So whether that's true or not, I, I'm not here to comment on. But one thing is true is the marketing and just the sheer box office presence that this movie has because of it is kind of genius, honestly, because... Even if it's like a fake kind of, we call it like a black flag operation of like saying this is being sabotaged, people feel empowered. The demographic of people this is targeted at feel empowered to go see it, which I find really interesting. Um, so it's it literally has the third highest uh, of last weekend behind Barbie and Oppenheimer. It's above Mission Impossible. It's above Indiana Jones. 
Uh, it's above Insidious, Elemental, Spider-Man, which is still going in some theaters. And it's above Transformers. Can you guys believe that? I didn't even know Transformers released. Didn't know there was a movie right now. That's kind of... <laughs> yeah. Damn. So, really interesting. Um, I will have more to report on at the box office, but uh, I'll let someone else have the floor. Just thought you guys would enjoy that Sound of Freedom story. Man, that's... The, the whole, like, seat-buying strategy is, like... I, I've heard about the QAnon stuff and all that, which is, you know, funny, but that's really scummy to... It really is. coerce people to do something it's like, like artificially that. artificially boost your numbers like that, too. Yeah, it really it's takes genius. away from the entire basis it's of... Spirit. It's not making them money. Well, it's taking away of the spirit of the box office, which is how many That's people it, have yeah. watched the movie, right? But if you're looking at a purely monetary standpoint, it's kind of just genius marketing. And on it, yeah. like, if you think about, like, the position that, like, people that generate faith-based content such as this, the position that they're in, they sort of have to use bold strategies like this to empower people that have a victimhood mentality to want to go see it. So this like lines up perfectly, whether it's true and honest or real or, you know, whatever you're, whatever people might think about it. I think it is seriously genius. Well, okay. My question is this link at the end and stuff. Are they, is it saying like, Hey, you should pay for someone else to go see the movie or is it? Okay. Okay. It's I, saying if you believe in the themes of what we're what we're talking about here, which is like being fervently sure. against child yeah. sex trafficking worldwide. And, you know, I haven't seen the movie full disclosure. Right. I probably will end up seeing it purely out of curiosity. Um, and it's our job to report on what's out there. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think that the you know, what I've heard is the movie is sort of very subtly leaning towards uh, like. You know, like the writer, the the writer side of the political spectrum, right? Instead yeah. of the left, and um, you know, there is like sort of a resonating like message that the extreme right will kind of really. I mean, Donald Trump literally promoted this movie not that long ago. He sat for a whole <laughs> screening. Um, it was a big, it was a big headline and everything. And people are getting really like, people are really resonating with the fact that Donald Trump did it, and his base is like emboldened to go see this movie, and people that are already like predisposed to the conspiracy theory about child sex trafficking amongst high ranking democratic officials are going to push their narrative by using this movie and the donation link that's shown after it. Uh, so fascinating stuff. Uh, you know, we talk about the culture war a lot um, or people talk about the culture war a lot. This is like, literally you have like, you know, Barbie and Oppenheimer coming up, but you have this dark horse, like cultural phenomenon movie going on on the back end. That was number three. Number three by a wide margin. Honestly, it made about a little under 20 million. Like I said, Barbie made 160. Oppenheimer made 80. But it's a big enough crowd to make a splash and beat out Tom Cruise and his beloved Mission Impossible franchise. You know, it's kind of crazy. Uh, Well, two things. One, you mentioning Trump made me realize that we might almost have two presidential cycles in TFP. (laughs) So I was thinking of that one episode we did, Election Night Simps. Great, best title we've ever had, by the way. Go listen to that episode just for the culture. Um, but yeah, that's kind of crazy. We might be going, if we, which I'm pretty sure we'll be doing this still for another year and a half, which is, yeah. <laughs> anyways, it's a tangent. But Barbie, what I was going to say, Barbie had a bigger budget than Oppenheimer, which is kind of wild to me. Yeah. That is, that is wild it to me. It um, absolutely did. Especially because, you know, Nolan's really against CGI. So, I mean, yeah, he had to nuke 
yeah, new account. No, I, I, <laughs> we got to see the movie. We don't know. We're seeing it this week, yeah, so I'm excited. Yeah. There might not be a new. Maybe there's, yeah, but um, yeah, Matt, Matt, that just uh, made me remember. Uh, I saw a thread on like the making of the Dark Knight, and like one of the aspects is like, yeah, uh, Nolan doesn't like using CGI. So like that truck flipping in uh, in the Dark Knight is an actual semi just being flipped over yeah. from behind on top onto its back. It's crazy. Overrated. I mean, overrated shot. I know Lucas, you're uh, not a, you're you're a Nolan truther, but we don't gotta get into it. Um, <laughs> I just want to say too. I mean, just purely just looking at like the budget, I'm like, or I mean, the cast. I would think like the cast would eat up so much of this budget. So I'm just surprised that like, again, like uh, for Oppenheimer. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Murphy, it, Blunt, you know, Silly Murphy, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Josh Hartnett, Casey Affleck, Rami Malek. I, I didn't yeah. even know Robert Downey Jr. Damn. was in it until Josh I, fucking I, Peck. I heard some people saying, "Yeah, oh yeah, Josh Peck was a funny one. But I didn't <laughs> know Robert Downey Jr. was in it until I saw like several tweets saying like he should get an Oscar for his performance in that movie. I'm like, what the hell? I didn't even know he was yeah. in this movie. I'm, I'm excited to see Robert acting again. It's, yeah, it's also... I, I, I want to see it too. It's also so it had a budget of a hundred million dollars, um, which is actually the same budget as Across the Spider Verse, which is crazy. Um, Dang. Just for more context, you know, Indiana Jones was three hundred million roughly. Mission Impossible was two ninety one. Uh, John Wick was a hundred million, and so was the Mario Bros. So hundred hundred million is is actually a lot of movies this year. Dang. Um, and it was also filmed on extremely expensive, costly, tricky IMAX IMAX film. You know, and um, it's, you know, it's having a release, you know, famously right now um, in IMAX uh, utilizing equipment that only 19 theaters in the United States have. That's the um, 70 millimeter IMAX, right? Yeah, which we're actually yeah. in like driving distance of four of them, luckily for us here in Southern California. I know. Um, there, but one of them is at the Grove, right? Or some one of them is at it's the TLC theater. It's Ontario, the Ontario Edwards. It's the Irvine Spectrum. And it is. uh the oh, I got I got my list. Someone else can go. Yeah. I feel like I've been taking up a lot of time here. We can we can Once move on it, to the next. Be topic. quiet. I do want to <laughs> I want to try and go see that in seventy millimeter when I have a chance to IMAX. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Hot right. Mickey, what do you got for us today, Big Dog? Um, I am gonna go with what Riot Games uh their event that started about a week ago their soul fighter event which i mentioned on the last topical that uh that they were going to release now it's out it's been out for like about a week now maybe a little under and i've been playing the hell out of it and it's it's actually amazing like league has been needing more game modes like this for a while i hope this one sticks because it can make be very long lasting and each game is pretty unique too since it's uh, it's a uh, f- uh, four teams of two players and uh hold on a second dogs barking sorry no. <laughs> that's all right we like dogs yeah what's your dog's name mickey fuck fuck dogs uh this is my aunt's dog she's over to uh, does, is she, I think she's staying the night too. I'm not sure, but her name's his name's Chase. <laughs> the dog's the name is Chase. <laughs> yes. Damn. What kind it, of that, dog is it? That's not is a, a yeah. What, is what it, kind of dog? Is it a human in a dog suit? Like uh, <laughs> what kind of dog? He's a. I, I'm terrible with. Are you dog sure he's not an asshole but, third grader? Or but something? He's, <laughs> uh, he, he's got. He's just. 
he's like a pretty decent size, a medium sized dog, uh, curly brown hair. That's, We're gonna need a picture of the dog. Yeah, we'll sorry, call Mickey. Him Mutt. He's a mutt. Yeah, yeah. I, I think. Why the fuck did she name him Chase? I don't know. I, don't ask me. Is that a family right. name? The other dog is no. Cody. No, there's, there's <laughs> no one in my family or her family that is named Chase. Yeah, That's enough. Wild. But if if you guys want to see a picture of Chase, I can link in the Discord when this. Episode <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should. You should. Yeah. I, 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 I did tweet it when it was still Twitter, so it was a tweet, but it's a zeet now. But you zeted it now. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm okay with that name. Just yes, <laughs> I'm gonna okay. do it just to make everybody mad. I like zeet. Yeah, Zeet Zeet sounds so stupid. It's kind oh, of I'm funny. talking about the dog's name. I love I love oh, Zeet. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. No, listen, Damn this it, is Matt. the Mickey Zeted a picture of Chase the dog. <laughs> Bro, that sounds inappropriate. Because like it, it sounds like Zeted. <laughs> yeah, <it's> so <laughs> Mickey Zeted. <laughs> Mickey Zeted Chase. Yeah. God All right. Sorry, it. we're like way off. Mickey, what, yeah. what you're okay, talking about? So yeah, the... I, I, put, I played a shit ton of the arena mode, and I got to the highest rank gladiator. It doesn't take a lot. Uh, because there's no like promotion things in between divisions. It's just the moment you get like enough uh, LP or whatever the ELO number is, like you'll get to Gladiator. Uh, it, it took me like four days to get that. It it's not that difficult wow. as long as you like decent at the game. Uh, but it's been weird seeing how the meta has been going in that game because it first started off with just all the characters that could spawn like little uh, minions to like Shaco with his boxes Heimer doing it with his turrets Syra with her plants it was just dominated by that kind of stuff to do more like zone control stuff I was gonna and say now it, now it's uh and then it evolved into like tanks that have like a uh, movement that can push people like Alistar was a big one to try to survive each round because as the round goes longer the area that you're allowed to stay in gets shorter and shorter and if you're outside you start burning like uh like in Fortnite or something like that with the blue zone of death it's not like a re- it's a red ring of death essentially and he'll just try to survive boot you outside the ring so you take more damage and then he just survives as a tank until it's actually kind of cool than you. yeah and now it's just the meta is now one one tank and one marksman that just gets super powerful the tank just like absorbs everything and like cc stuns their opponents for infinity while the marksman just does all the damage and can't die so what are you doing what's your role here so that's where we're at now me, me and my friend brad who we i've been like grinding twos with we just play our favorite champions and we've only been like rising just by outplaying our people not using any gimmick strategies like that so i like to hear michael it's 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 been really difficult there have been some so- stupid strategies so is there going to be like a big uh, like scene for this? You think make like esports scene? What can we expect? Is Hundred uh, is about to announce their roster tomorrow? We need we need to make sure that this is actually a permanent game before it act, there's actually tournaments for this thing. Because right now Riot isn't planning for it. Uh, they need to see what the reception is for the game is first before they want to make it a permanent game mode. Well, it sounds like the reception's pretty overall positive yeah like a so lot of far. people have been loving it they just like been having like issues with like how the meta has been uh turning out and which riot has been like hot fixing stuff instead of just waiting for their two-week patch cycle to fix these things and they're doing it very quickly which is awesome hey what real quick what's the what's the skinny on uh their their fighting game they're supposed to be making project l uh, coming out yeah, next project, year project l. i don't mm. think we have any new information on that yeah, the most likely release date is going to be mid twenty twenty four, if that. 
Um, I know that they did invite some content I, I creators think, I for think a there was a play closed, test for it. a playtest closed beta kind of thing. I'm playing that shit when that comes. I, I will no be playing that question shit. Not, at now, all. Now, now that I've gotten my time into Street Fighter, I'm gonna feel way more comfortable jump hopping on to Project L. I'm gonna yeah. play the biggest character. Yeah, you're gonna play. Yeah, Matt's gonna play Darius. Stuff. Yeah, it's there's like Darius is gonna be yeah, the same play for Darius. that game. He's gonna have like a hook. Oh wait, wait. I th- I think I th- I think Scion's in the game. Oh my god! <laughs> I wonder. I know you know what's? I, like I actually am gonna. I'm, I'm gonna be really I like curious. Kogma. I love Kogma. How how Riot is going to translate like the move set of a character from League, like the Rift, into like Project L, into their actual move set in a fighting game? Mm-hmm. I'm just curious to see how that'll look. That'll be really fun. It'll be really cool. I, I can't wait to see. I'm I'm probably gonna main Echo. Echo looks so sick. Yeah, Echo does look pretty sick. He, he's he's like one of my favorite characters, lore wise. Yeah. And he just looks cool. Do we expect the control schemes to be similar to like classic Street Fighter, where it's a lot of like directional inputs? I th- I think probably. so. Probably like it's it's getting a lot of influence from traditional fighters. That's pretty much like what every traditional fighter is like. Like whether that's yeah. Mortal Kombat, right? Or they usually like, keep any, their anime fighters. Yeah, it's like pretty similar. So it's like so it's pretty easy. What about to go Tekken, man? They're like in the one, third dimension. Yeah, te- te- What's te- happening over there? Weird. So Tekken I, is three D. I've heard it so. Sh- yeah. yeah, Tekken's 3D and also Gosh. Tekken. I think every button is a limb of the fighter. So in True Fighter, it's light, medium, and heavy kick punch. But in Tekken, I think it's each button. It's a four. I think it's a four-button fighting game. Don't quote me on that. Where each button is left hand, right hand, left leg, right leg. I think is how Tekken works. And then of course, there's all the other stuff. Dang. Each character in Tekken has like yeah. 150 moves on the command list. It's insane. One day though, that's kind of one day. On. One day when we want to get super sweaty, we could uh, we could check it out. Maybe go to Pakistan, Matt. I don't think that's ever going to happen. <laughs> we didn't think that that would happen with Street Fighter, but we're about to record a Street Fighter episode after this. So we yeah. actually we actually had some interest in Street Fighter though. Like you and me were already planning on playing Street Fighter. It was just a surprise that the rest of Brokaw hopped on. That's true. All it was one drunk night where I pressed triangle. Let's save it. Let's save Street Fighter for the next recording because we're going to do a whole thing uh, on that. Yeah, yeah. Street um, Fighter be mad. Chambers. There will be an episode on Street Fighter. You have the floor. What do I got? What All do you right. got, Chambers? Um, wait, pause one second. Lucas, your, uh, your video's not showing up. and It'll show up. It'll show post. up. Yeah. Okay. Um, His internet so is just being whack right now. Just do yeah. your, yeah, Lucas, yeah, your internet is, like, we can barely hear you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't even know if okay. you're talking right now. I, I am. But, okay. Okay. Yeah, we can hear you. Now you are. Now All right, I'll you. go back to what else? All right, let's saying. clap back right. in. Okay. Right. Three, Three, two, two one. one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fine. Lucas. It's fine. You guys could just, <laughs> just move forward. Just move forward. All right. I'm not right, cutting, right, I'm not cutting any of this okay. out. It's hard to interact. Okay, okay. speaking of. Okay, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Speaking of fighting games, uh, Mortal Kombat 1 is coming for Street Fighter's cheeks. Um, they got some guest fighters in the game. They got Homelander from The Boys. They got Peacemaker, that one John Cena character from that that show. Um, yeah, that show was pretty good. I, I didn't it watch it. Bit. It's good? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's Matt says it's, it's good. Better than most superhero stuff. Okay, I'll take your word for it. And then they got Omni Man, um, 
which shows up in a lot of memes. And that's going to be voiced <laughs> by J.K. Simmons. That's been confirmed. Um, and so, that's lit. yeah, that's all pretty lit. And then Johnny Cage, um, famous Mortal Kombat character, is going to have a John Claude Van Damme skin, which if you don't know who that is, you're not cool because Bloodsport is a goaded movie. Um, but yeah, um, I, I just thought that was pretty cool that they have some like culturally relevant heroes within the game. They um, all totally wish, make sense for court mortal Kombat as well. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like that's like, those are all heroes that are of the style I'm, of mortal Kombat. I'm very excited to see what well, you said. Omni man was going to be there. Right? I didn't miss your chambers. Correct. Omni man, peacemaker I'm, and Homelander. I'm really excited to watch Omni Man versus Home um, Homelander because uh, there's uh, there's been like death battles between them by like that YouTube series you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I have I have not watched yeah. that YouTube series. I think, I think it's called a Corkscrew or something. I don't know, but uh, I mean I loved I, The Boys is an exceptional TV show. If you have superhero fatigue, trust me, give that a go. It'll like refresh yeah, the, you the boys is great. in a very healthy way. The Boys is um, great. Very gory show though, so disclaimer there. And Invincible is like a rated M teen Titans. Basically it's kind of lit. Yeah. I, I haven't seen the show, but I always see like clips of it on TikTok and stuff. And it just looks so brutal. Honestly, it's exceptional. I, it's, it's I, extremely good. Yeah. And I know peace out season two. I know peacemaker is also a pretty gory show too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So these all yeah, totally um, that's make like sense. the, that's like the James Gunn influence on, uh, the DC universe. I'm excited to see what he does over there. But, uh, yeah, Peacemaker's great. All good yeah. stuff. I'm very curious to see how Mortal Kombat will interact with, uh, like, how, like, big the fighting game community will be split over that. Because there's, like, I mean, those are both heavy hitters in, like, the trad traditional fighting community. So, yeah, I think I'm uh, very interested. Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter have, like, the like the ecosystem is big enough for Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter players to, like, either play both or... They're, it's just big enough to be able to. They've always both, both existed. They, they've always both of, existed. There's usually a lot of overlap between those two games. Yeah, they've always both existed simultaneously and been fine economically. So, I think it's cool. Um, and honestly, I feel like the thing that we don't realize as like career Smash players is that a lot of these fighting games, like a lot of the DNA, is similar enough that you can kind of flip between both yeah. easier than you can flip from Smash to any of these. So. Honestly, I think like if one of us got Mortal Kombat one, we would probably have fun playing it with sticks and just like trying it out for a night. Although like, I don't it, think we would mainly play it, but you I know, gotta tell I mean. you, it's it's probably easier going from Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat than it is going from like melee to ultimate. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good example, Michael. All right. All right. Matthew, what you got? Uh I wanna well, two quick things I just want to run through. Um you and I beat Lucas and I beat Ricky in our most recent bracket. Which just, <laughs> Wait, should we save this for the Street Fighter, Fighter episode? Uh, no, that's for the, okay. that's for the Street Fighter episode. Right, yeah, scratch that. Um, <laughs> Mickey, help me upgrade my computer. Shout out Mickey. Everything looks exceptional now. I can play like over. Not I can do overdrive. I don't though, but I can basically play like Cyberpunk, which is a, obviously a very hard game to run on ultra settings with ray tracing now, with and get like anywhere between seventy to eighty FPS. So. Huge, huge upgrade Sick. for me. I was running on a 1060 Ti, so really enjoying that. Shout out to Mickey. Um, and Messi made his debut for Inter Miami over the weekend against Cruz Azul. Oh, I heard that nothing exciting happened at all. I heard it was just a regular oh, yeah, game. Really bland, really boring. Um, yeah. You know, it was lit. Uh, <laughs> Messi is um, a god. The game ended with 
in like the 94th minute, the last minute of uh, extra time, basically of regulation, um, there was a, a free kick situation where Messi got fouled. He drew the foul in the first place. It was like perfect distance and he just slotted it home and the game ended basically right then and there. And, um, it was truly like a script, you know, that's what it felt like. I mean, this, I, remember, I was watching it live the second that foul went through and I saw where that free kick was. I'm like, oh, he's going to hit that in for sure. <laughs> it was such um, a beautiful that's, free kick. That's just messy and it was remarkable to see. And Sergio Busquets is there, who's a player that won't get as much press, but is also remarkable. Also played with Messi at Barcelona back in the day. And it's, you know, MLS often brings over a lot of stars that like are kind of past their prime. And to be fair to the league, they actually have done a pretty good job of getting maybe players that would go to Europe from like South America, getting them come to MLS first to really kind of raise the level of the league, which is a good thing. But point is like seeing players like Busquets and Messi on the field, it's just so clear how much better they are than these guys, the rest of these players, you know, oh, yeah. like Sergio Busquets, you look at him, like if you saw him on the streets, like you would, you wouldn't even think he's an athlete. Like he's super lanky, super skinny, but he's one of the best center defensive midfielders in the world. Like his technique, his passing, his positioning—it's just so much. It's so clearly so much better than everyone else when you're watching it. It's just so fun to see. And um, they also got Jordi Alba, who didn't make his debut that night, but he's joining the team. And then they just acquired another international roster spot. MLS is very confusing with the rules, but basically <laughs> they can acquire another international player now. Um, and it's rumored to be either Sergio Ramos or Luis Suarez. Sergio Ramos, still a very good defender playing for PSG right now. And then Luis Suarez kind of in his decline for sure, but would probably still do great in MLS. So uh, I'm, I'm going to ask the question to the soccer guys in the chat here. Uh, this messy, uh, like kind of play or this game, is this viewed or will it be viewed as like a changing point for the popularity of soccer in the MLS in America. Like I know Messi's it's a big deal that he's here. LeBron was there. Like he was probably crying when the goal was made. He was excited, all that stuff. Maybe Is this a big deal in it, the history you know, of things? Yes, and sorry, well, let Chambers to go first. Okay. I don't it, it is but not as big of a deal as you would think. Like David Beckham came to the LA Galaxy sometime like a long time ago and that definitely did raise the popularity of the sport a bit, but not to the degree that people had hoped for. Um, and I, th I think the same thing is going to happen here. The, the way like sports really get better is like with more funding at the youth level. Um, and like, this is definitely like obviously having a superstar is going to make people like go watch the games, but it's it's not like even that club individually it's probably not good for it in the long run like once messi leaves they're fucked because they they were the worst team in the league prior to him being there um and they'll and they traded everything for him basically right not necessarily but didn't they replace the coach and then bring yeah. on his former teammates? But the the coach they got is leagues above is it, like any good any oh, manager okay. in the yeah it's it's like if you took like an NBA coach and put them on like a high school football or high school <laughs> basketball <laughs> team or something. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it's going to really like boost like the level of us soccer really in any way, but we'll probably get a few I've, more fans. 
I mostly agree with Chambers. The only caveat I will say is I think it can potentially influence the lower levels of MLS, like the youth development, because um, Apple is going to be selling a lot more subscriptions now to their MLS season pass. Mm. And once a certain amount of those are sold, then MLS starts making back some of that money in the subscription to get a, start getting a percentage of it. Um, so a lot of opportunity there for them to start really just helping just get more money, basically. Yeah. So, and I think that I, revenue is is shared, right, across the league. I think that's how most mm-hmm. U.S. sports work. Yeah. So I'm excited for it. I, I think I think Chambers is right in the same way that, like, Beckham didn't, like, totally change everything. But I think from a financial standpoint, this is the opportunity to really influence things positively in the long run. Yeah. Dang. Excited to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Messi's going to uh, tear it up. Oof. I'll go with uh, I'll go with my last one here uh, and round out everything from my earlier story about Oppenheimer. Um, so as you guys know, uh, Oppenheimer is being run in 19 true IMAX theaters, 70 millimeter print um, across the country. There's only 19 theaters that are actually equipped with the equipment to currently run it right now. Everything else that you're seeing, like we're seeing Oppenheimer this week, Matt, in IMAX at the AMC in Glendale at the Americana, that's a digital IMAX experience um it's not the same thing as these 19 pure film imax theaters um and really sad these theaters are having a lot of technical issues um to be honest the gear is not used very frequently um a lot of these uh a lot of these theaters including the irvine spectrum in our own backyard actually switched to the digital version in their imax theater uh because their equipment was uh having power issues um ontario the reel went out at the regal over there uh, Cineplex, Vaughn, uh, brief loss of picture, sound, and it eventually got fixed. AMC River Center 11, the audio center cut out, and they sent everyone home for the night. Um, that actually <laughs> happened over the weekend. Uh, Mall of Georgia uh, apparently was very dusty and cut out completely. The Lincoln Square IMAX theater switched to the digital version due to technical issues that were not specified. Uh, so... Pretty sad. Uh, this actually comes from a Reddit post. There is a subreddit specifically for IMAX, just r slash IMAX. And there is an ongoing thread of people reporting technical issues with the 70 millimeter print in these 19 IMAX theaters. Um, I also saw unconfirmed uh, article of or unconfirmed comment on Reddit of these issues also happening at the TCL Chinese Theater here in Los Angeles. Um, and apparently, like, the audio went out for three minutes and they had to rewind the reel and, like, start the movie again from that point so pretty embarrassing i think it's like a number of different things you know it's just employees in the theater that have not the most experience working this equipment they're probably fairly new the last time this equipment was probably used was half a decade ago uh and here's here's what we're seeing here although people are still saying it's the best way to experience this new movie so anybody out there any listeners who have seen it in one of these 19 theaters we would love to hear from you i think eventually we'll make it out there's four opportunities in our neck of the woods to try and catch it um and of course there's people traveling hours and hours away to try and see it with this experience in mind hopefully they had a good experience and none of these things happened to them dang the the film heads took a big l with this one yeah that's what i was gonna say it's like you know you're a real film imagine being a real film head you travel from like you know, Modesto, California, all the way to Los Angeles just to go see this. And uh, the audio cuts out and you get sent home. That's, hey, uh, we're, that's not fun. We're seeing it IMAX with laser. Is that different from normal IMAX? It's Limax, uh, bro. It's it's uh, it's still digital IMAX. It's not 
uh, the true film print right. that that we that you know that Chris Nolan and the cinematographer are really trying to get us to watch. Laser is, I think, a newer technology that I know a lot of AMC theaters have. That is basically a technology where the angle that you view the projector at is your your seat. The angle of the theater screen is compensated by your seat. In other words, like if you're like really down low and to the right or to the left, the, the movie theater screen will still look as if you're looking at it head on. Oh, that's cool. That's the laser technology that you see when you see like laser in laser projection or whatever. That's what's going on there. That's so. Um, that sounds way like cooler than than right than seventy millimeter. Fuck seventy millimeter. Let's just forget about seventy millimeter. <laughs> Chambers, as, come on. As the far film as bros. pure image quality, though, like what is like a key difference we would notice with the seventy millimeter versus like the normal IMAX? So you know, so there's like four K. Uh, you guys know what 4K is, yeah, obviously. Yeah. It's just like the highest quality digital that we have. So 70 millimeter IMAX film, it's you can't really equate it because digital is a bunch of little pixels, right? So 4K means that there's 4,000 pixels going across we get, one We got 8K line, now. Right? We have 8K. We, exactly. So we have some devices that have 8K. You know, uh, we, we really push it, you know, projection in 4K, all this stuff. It just simply means that there's 4,000 pixels across a horizontal line on your screen that's 4k right 1080p 10,000 8 10 10,080 pixels across one line 1080 right? but 1080 sorry uh imax 70 millimeter film is about the equivalent of 14k so it's no. massively massively like different in terms of quality the difference is that film is not doesn't use pixels as its baseline Right, film is actually using little tiny like dots because it's a chemical process yeah. that you're developing film on. So there's a, just a, a fundamental difference between what builds film and what builds digital. Um, and then of course, like a movie is shot on film, and for digital projection, it's converted to digital, and that's when you watch like a digital projection of a of a film, like a digital projection of an IMAX film, which is what we'll do on Thursday. So there's truly a massive difference in terms of quality. Uh, but it it's IMAX like 70 millimeter film is like not without its technical problems. Like it's extremely hard to ship. It's extremely hard to get right. Uh, the equipment is like not always up to date because it's just not done as frequently. It's expensive. Uh, so we're seeing all these issues going on here. Uh, from what I hear, it's obviously like the best way to experience the movie. Obviously, it's the way the artists intended it. From a technical perspective, it is going to be a higher technical quality than anything you'll see in digital. But still, it has issues. So, little lesson for you guys. Damn, awesome. That's it for me. Who we got? I'm Mickey. Still, my mind's just kind of blown right now. Is all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you look at, there's actually some uh, like demonstrations you could look at. You know, like the Oppenheimer kind of poster. It's like uh, Killian Murphy, Cillian Murphy. Don't Killian. That's Killian. Name. Killian. Uh, like the black and white picture of him with like the cigar or whatever with the hat on. You know. You guys yeah, know the, the yeah. poster yeah, I'm talking yeah. about for Oppenheimer? Uh -huh. The quality is so high on that image that you could actually zoom all the way into his eye and you could see his reflection of the camera back at him. Like from there. On like the enhance. Yeah. No, it's like literally like zoom in and enhance yeah. and check it out. It's like the quality is actually that high for that image. Because it's like such high film Damn. quality. Um so yeah, I mean, we've seen 14K. 14K looks great. 8K is coming around, but film still has a higher technical ceiling than digital, even now. Wow, crazy. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, in order to 
for that to make a difference like how how much bigger does the screen have to be because a lot bigger yeah i i feel like massive (laughs) yeah i feel like because like for like say like our computer monitors like we would not be able to use 4k very reliably just because like the screen isn't big enough to fit all those pixels to actually notice a difference you need a bigger screen that actually supports 4k in order to actually notice the 4k yeah and there's always going to be a limitation somewhere when it comes to this stuff like it's really buzzy to say like i have a 4k monitor it's sitting in storage like in my back room with like a (laughs) it's it's 4k sure but like the latency is not great you know so it's like there's and you know like you can have like a super high quality 4k television and you're streaming on netflix and there's like caps on the quality on what you're streaming and your internet and like what netflix's compression algorithm is actually showing you so there's like we're just not all the way there from a technical standpoint infrastructure standpoint so like for those of you that are actually really wanting to go out and see oppenheimer it will truly be unlike anything you've ever seen because the projection and the technical quality of what you're viewing is higher than you could achieve on virtually anything that exists right now because the process that they used to shoot the movie on from the beginning was a higher process than anything they shoot on now uh because it's film right yeah so i'm i'm uh, hoping that we eventually get to the point where digital is just as good as IMAX because it seems like a, a waste of money. And I'm not like trying to hate <laughs> on about it. I just like, obviously like it's something that's going out of fashion and um, this would be a lot easier if it was digital. Um, it's funny that you say it's like, it's a waste of money, but they still spent less than Barbie. I yeah, yeah that's you're right, true. You're right. That is true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got me there. Fuck. All right. Uh, Mickey and Matt, you guys actually had the same little note here about these StarCraft 3 rumors. You want to talk about that? Uh, yeah. So I actually first want to lead with uh, Microsoft being one step closer to acquiring Ooh, yes. Activision Blizzard because this is maybe the biggest deal we see like ever. Uh, Microsoft trying to buy Activision Blizzard for about $64 billion, I think, is what the price tag was. And uh, they just got uh, done with a ruling uh, in court with the FTC, and which the FTC withdrew uh, their case against Microsoft uh, because the judge ruled in favor of Microsoft in order to be to let this acquisition go through. So the FTC pretty much doesn't have a leg to stay in on anymore. So they withdrew from the case. So now the last hurdle for Microsoft is to go through the UK's competition appeal tribunal, which is on pause right now. And it has been on pause since uh, like July 11th, I think. And it should be coming back around September. And uh, all signs are pointing to Microsoft is probably going to be able to complete this acquisition of right. Activision Blizzard. Pretty nuts. Yeah, this is a massive deal, which I I don't think people realize how big this deal is because well, people will constantly point to, oh, this is good. Like, people are wanting this acquisition because, oh, we want Game Pass to be so much better. Like, we have so much, so many more new games on Game Pass because Game Pass is, like, super, has super value. And the problem is, like, Microsoft just has so much money to bleed that they can afford to just throw out, throw 64 billion to the, just buy out people. And they're going to start getting like a monopoly of all of the 
gaming space essentially and that's like one of the biggest things that uh all these people were fighting against is like this is not good for competition and the problem with the the case was that the judge only really viewed it as like the terms with that is call of duty that they were concerned about but it's like a much bigger problem than just call of duty itself because once microsoft finishes this acquisition their prices are going to start skyrocketing with specifically game pass like yeah, it's not well, going to be super what happens it's if not game going to be pass super cheap is like 35 dollars a month or something yeah yeah like it's it's not going to stay cheap There's still gonna no be a way. good deal though <laughs> still, but, still a pretty good deal but what you're getting piece of game pass it's pretty good also I, Mickey, you're uh, eating your mic a little bit buddy all right okay uh you're excited you're you're leaning in i get it i get it i get it. i get it yeah <laughs> uh what else was i gonna say shoot i lost my train i thought there i what think that think? The, yeah. i mean i i like i mean it's been like looming over our heads for a long time just as a as a culture to start to accept what microsoft is sort of doing with this thing and um, honestly, like I saw, I actually saw a meme the other day that was like comparing, it was, it was actually, uh, it was like a Spider-Man, I think it was like Spider-Man 2, or no, it was like Spider-Man 3 where like James Franco, he's like, all I have now yep. is Spider-Man. And it was like Sony, <laughs> it, the meme was like Spider-Man, or Sony after Microsoft acquires like Activision Blizzard. It's crazy how in half of a generation, Microsoft is like going to without a doubt leapfrog sony with like the exclusives the studios like first party third parties yep game pass all they did was just like ps plus buy them all up That's, they just bought them out just yeah them it's yep. crazy like i honestly like nintendo's insulated like they're nintendo they're like always gonna have their niche they're always gonna have their market but sony i'm saying this as a ps5 owner this is like dude like i don't know what exclusives they're really gonna have that's gonna make sense in the coming generation that like microsoft that that wouldn't serve you better if you just had a microsoft console plus the integrations that they have with like pc and pc gaming uh it's just game pass itself it's it's pretty crazy um i think the next generation for the console wars if we're even calling it that anymore belongs to microsoft yeah yeah unfortunately it'll it's pretty pretty wild no matter how you look at it um I mean, obviously, yeah, Sony still does have some of their more pretty powerful IPs, like whether that's Spider-Man or God of War or, you know, Ratchet and Clank, whatever. But um, just the the sheer the sheer amount and variety that um, Microsoft has built up is kind of kind of wild. And especially if this does ultimately go through, which looks like it, it will. I mean, that's a lot more under their belts. Um and some of these big ones too, man. I mean, like Bethesda. I mean, that's huge. I, like, I was I was actually gonna I bring know. that up. I was gonna bring up the Bethesda. Like that thing. just happened. That's not yeah, even that, that long ago. Yeah. It's only a and couple like, of years when, ago. Yeah. When when they were going through that acquisition, uh, like Microsoft was like saying a lot of things they're saying right now with what's gonna happen when they acquire Microsoft. Uh, uh, sorry, Activision Blizzard is that like they were they weren't gonna go exclusivity they're gonna still like share their ips with other consoles with the switch with the playstation and then now look at it most bethesda games are console exclusive now they went back on their word and same thing's probably gonna happen what what have they released since then though that's console exclusive probably like a fallout 76 redrop I, I, I don't know remastered I don't know. <laughs> just game of the year edition fallout 76 <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> 
I mean, they got Red, well. Redfall was published by Bethesda, but then they got Starfield coming out, obviously. Ghostwire Tokyo, which came out on the PS5 and the Xbox. It's really only Starfield, from what I can tell. The uh, Mickey, what'd you say the overall value was? Somewhere upwards of sixty billion. Is that is that what I heard? Oh, of the, oh what they're purchasing? The acquire? Yeah, it's like forty six billion. Forty six billion? Yeah, I think so it's much. 46. It's so, so much, much money. money. That's oh crazy. That's like military industrial complex level money. Yeah. It's a lot of money. It's also it's crazy to think like just, you know, pure scale. I mean, like the Flash just lost like two hundred million dollars. <laughs> and it's like there here's the studio being acquired for like one hundred times that. It's like just it's insane how like how big it's hard it gets. to fathom how truly yeah, I, yeah. I can't imagine that much. truly hard to I fathom can't. yeah for context the gdp of cyprus is only 28.4 billion and the gdp of croatia is uh 68. what's the california california gdp what do we got yeah this is a this is a fun <laughs> people we love newsome loves talking about california gdp so let's let's bring 3. it up here 3.59 trillion uh oh wow we could definitely Jesus. buy we can definitely buy activision <laughs> blizzard if we yeah, wanted to boys we could yeah, a state some- a state run video game. <laughs> <laughs> They'd make the worst video games For ever. Sure. If anything yeah. was ever state run. But one one thing I do want to point out is with if this acquisition goes through, that means all the top brass would go off with a big, pretty big payday, and that would including a uh, Bobby Kotick, which a lot of people do not like that man, and which he's pretty much like ran the company into the ground the past several years, and like. The, he was a big uh he has he is a a big part of the blame with all like the sexual harassment stuff that blizzard had to go through is he the a big harasser of years was he uh, himself he, i think he was but he like uh i mean that he, he helped influence the company mm, to be able to harass i mean at the end of the day he wasn't i don't disagree that he was a bad person but like at the micro level, the people that were working at Blizzard were like just shitty people that were doing that. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think Bobby well, I, would have affected that one way or the other personally. And that's well, a systemic issue in gaming. That's just, no, yeah, that, that is a big systemic issue. Hot Mickey, I got a question for you here. Yes. Do you think this is good for the content that Activision Blizzard will push out? Oh, yeah. I I, I think they're going to make great content, like which a lot of people think that, oh, because of this... Uh, like now, like old franchises are going to get revived, like StarCraft, because like StarCraft's pretty much been dead in the water. But like, why the now? Why years. would why would an acquisition um, make StarCraft three come I for, to life? I forget what it was, but like some someone I mean, they have high, more they can insert no, someone it. high up in Microsoft is a massive fan of StarCraft. Mm-hmm. So the rumors. No, 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 no. Okay, when when I'm. Get, I'm getting to the rumors is that the rumors apparently have like the game is in development right now from like, there's like a blizzard tech. Uh, he replied to uh, an AMA and these tweets, these tweets, no, Zeets are now, are now deleted, <laughs> but he was replying to an AMA and uh, people were saying like, Oh, is uh, Microsoft going to be able to help create Starcraft three now? And then he just replied with, uh, we're not going to need Microsoft's help to do that, to help StarCraft. Mm. And then uh, someone asked, like, do you know about any updates with StarCraft 3? And he just replied with, yep. 
But these tweets are deleted now. This is definitely yes. not good for gaming. Like, to I be think, fair, oh, though, like, all? no, I don't. At think any good. moment, Blizzard also has like at least five games in the pipe. Um, yeah. So, like, like for context, I, I interned there, and like, I'm pretty sure I'm still under NDA for some of it. But, um, <laughs> like, there's always games going on there that like don't see the light of day. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so then well, there uh, might be Starcraft three. Like, it might have also been. They're already on StarCraft yeah, 4. Yeah, my, my, yeah. my point yeah, is, is that I think this development started before the acquisition process started. So I think Blizzard has been creating StarCraft 3, and it has nothing to do with Microsoft. Chambers, what were you saying? I, I, I don't think this is good for like anybody, but I guess Microsoft. Um, I don't think it's good for Activision. I mean, for the, the people that are making money off of it, sure. But... Long term, this this is a lot like uh, like the history of cars, American cars in the twentieth century, where where like Chevy had like seven brands at one point. They just like everything was way too clustered, and then they had to get rid of like half of them eventually because they're all eating each other, they're all losing money, and because things become so bureaucratic at a certain point when you own so many companies. Um, doing like semi-similar things um, and there's the the actual market isn't able to correct any of this it's a, it's all it's like what you said about how if if like California ran Activision it would be like shitty that's basically over in the long run what's going to happen with this is we're monopolizing the industry um, which leads to lower quality products overall um, so yeah, big, big L for everybody. Damn. Chambers on the doomerism side of things. I'm not, <laughs> love to hear it. <laughs> I'm with you. I mean, I, I agree with you to a certain extent. Um, I think there's some nice like consumer vertical integration stuff. That yeah. Can happen. Like, like now you have game pass and you can play, you have a world of Warcraft subscription. Yeah. Right? And like you get benefits for, certain things that Blizzard is running like because you have like Microsoft subscription or something like that. Or maybe like, you know, there's just benefits to owning like an Xbox that are now like a little bit better and they're able to bring like certain content and brands. Maybe they release like the Lost Vikings, like a long dead, super old Blizzard game on Xbox exclusively. And like, that's fun. And that's cool for me as a gamer. Um, That's in the short term. I think it's, It'll be cool and interesting, and I think I'll, we'll benefit as gamers from certain things. I do agree with you, long-term chambers. I think it's a really nuanced, like, kind of zone that we're entering here, where, like, yeah, these it's going to become pretty monopolized by Microsoft. And I know the argument is that they're saying it's not going to, but it, but it is. It's <laughs> it just is. like they're it just is. arguing in these FTC like hearings that it won't be a monopoly when everyone knows that it kind of will be. And like the issue the, was that the judge just doesn't understand this. Well, no one does. No politician or like yeah, official in America it, it, understands. It's, it's hard now. to make laws against this because, like, yeah, people in power don't understand this field. Yeah, they really don't. The series is a the internet is a series of tubes and wires. Yeah, the like a on a yeah on a macro level, it's it's bad because um, <laughs> fuck, I just lost my train of thought. It's bad. All right, <laughs> Matt, bad or good? Not good. It's not good. I'm uh, I'm neutral until I see more. 
Matt, you're always neutral, man. Bro, Say it's bad on. or good. Be a Chad. I don't know. I mean, I you know, it's interesting. I, I initially thought it was pretty bad, but as I've thought about it more, I'm not sure it's going to make too much of a difference. Okay, let me let me ask you this. Do you think like the corporatization of video game companies that happened over like, you know, the 90s and 2000s, was that good for the quality of video games? Say that again. Okay, the <laughs> the corporatization of video game companies that occurred like earlier in the 21st century, like late 90s. Give is me that, an example. Um, like let's say EA. Okay. The the way they've further grown and become like a large corporation um, rather than something run by, you know, just engineers. Like, would you say that that is good for the quality of their, their product as a user? It's good for, mm. for you. This you is, that's a very big question. Okay. For many different ants. Let me give you my, here's my short. This is great for the consumer bad for the game quality in the long run okay then that's bad for the consumer because you're getting worse from an economic standpoint it's gonna be good from the consumer with game pass and things like that i think for Um, a while it'll be good yeah i I, yeah but 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 once we run that pipe drive where like all this stuff in the pipeline you know i don't know that's that's my take good for the consumer in the short term maybe long term bad Okay, short term for the game quality, probably bad long term for the game quality. Um, corporatization of video games chambers is an interesting thing because, like, I don't know. I just got I forget the book name, but like, I just got done reading um, Console Wars. Console, it's like the sequel to Console Wars. It's more specific. Blood, about, sweat, like, and pixels. Yeah, blood, sweat, and pixels. Um, fucking like. A lot of these guys like love working for these bigger corporations because it's more safe. Like, yeah, the smaller stuff. I mean, like, yeah, do you get more creative control? Sure. Yeah. Are you supporting a family of four in Silicon Valley off 60 K? Yeah. So like, I don't know. There's it, there's good. It, it depends on your angle. It, there's so many factors of like whether or not big corporation going into gaming is good. It means my, more security, but it means less creativity. My my thing on it, Chambers, with in, in regards to the corporatization kind of thing, yeah. is like with someone like when it becomes like behold like complete beholdenness to shareholders, where they're like, wait, like if the stock's going down, just release the next FIFA. Or like, oh, it's going down. Just release like the next like Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Like it when when it becomes like a you have to do the safe thing to pump like every year to appease shareholders and like make people excited about the value of a company, then yeah, then we get really formulaic, we get really boring, and like you just make the thing that sells and the thing that sells is like the thing you make and all that kind of stuff. And I think uh, the thing is we've been trapped in that for a long time anyway. Uh, but every I don't know if the acquisition. But will with make them a big acquiring difference. Activision, like that was already what Activision was doing, because that was also a exactly ex- exactly. Yeah. So I think like in in terms of the corporatization thing, we're already kind of there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, this I, is the next. I, step I can't in the process. see it getting worse. I can't see it getting any worse than I, like maybe two Call of Duties a year start coming out. I just I don't know. Like I don't think it's going to get any worse than an annual Call of Duty, an annual like 
EA, uh, an annual Assassin's Creed, an annual like 2K, FIFA, Madden, like all that stuff's always going to happen to keep the prices of things like high in terms of company value. Yeah. Where I will say it's a problem, Chambers, is if they do start acquiring more major studios for, well, I mean, they already kind of have Obsidian, but if they start acquiring like Ubisoft, if they do acquire EA, stuff like that, like if it's all under one umbrella, then it's an issue, but I don't know. There, I mean, there's lots to unpack there, but like Lucas is, like Lucas said, we kind of are already at the corporatization of it. Um, and that's my official stance. Probably good for the employees, but bad for the game product at the end of the day. I mean, yeah, because it, it Microsoft is basically a gaming institution now. Um, and a lot of these large companies are, I mean, they, they've been, they've been though. Yeah. They, <laughs> right? they, they're yeah. all institutions and that's why it's like safe to work there and everything. Um, but I mean, let's take a quick, like, what other studios, the, the problem with they own right now? an institution like this is that there's no, like keeping it in check or anything. Like people can be like shit at their job and stuff. And that it's not like that people are voted into all of these positions or anything. It's not democratic. So if Microsoft owns everything, we just kind of like have to be okay with a shit product because this is. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's you said it. Except for Nintendo. Yeah, let's, uh, let's but, keep it real. But that that's also up until like the people who started that company all die, and then who knows where the company <sighs> could go. Don't say that. Yeah, don't don't ever say, say that, that, please. Yeah, man. the The cool thing is that like the just I'm I'm thinking about Capcom right now, like somebody who's just like a strong developer making games across consoles yeah. that like I hope never gets acquired and like keeps making like really kick-ass games that sell well that like people really enjoy that people really love like yeah. I think there will always be a space for up it like it's not like there's Ubisoft EA Capcom and we're done like there's up and coming developers that will like get big like find space find a stage Maybe get acquired, but maybe never get acquired. Maybe maybe there's just room for more Capcoms of the world to generate really good content, make good games. And, um, you know, I think I I I'm, don't want to be too doomer where it's like, oh, they acquired Blizzard, the only developer who will ever make an awesome AAA, like, eternal MMO or, like, the leader in the RTS genre or something. Like, Blizzard and Activision... Great company, great games, but like we don't even know what the future holds in terms of like the type of content that will be created. There's great studios coming around right now that are making awesome stuff that hopefully don't need to get acquired. Yeah. Yeah. I would hope so. I would hope it stays like that. Yeah. Um, all right, man. We've been talking about this one for a while. Uh, should we hit the mailbag real quick and wrap it up? Yeah. Let's run it. All right. We got a mailbag question here coming from Rasmus. Hey guys, been reading and keeping up with a bit of gaming news recently and ran into a question that I felt really resonated with me. Felt like a great question for the podcast. Larian Studios, creator of Baldur's Gate, was recently under fire in gaming press for creating a romance scene involving a character <laughs> shape-shifting into a bear during sex. It leaves, me, it leaves many feeling that it was inappropriate. I'd love to hear your opinions on this and how you feel you would have gone about having sex with a bear more appropriately. How does one deal with the claws? <laughs> Thank you, Rasmus. Great question. I actually looked this That's one up, dope, guys. Dope it, question. This is probably one of the uh, coolest marketing schemes that, that I've seen in a while. This. It's so good. So uh, here's I'd, I'd the... like to acknowledge as well, really quickly, that 
Rasmus did sign this with uh, Beast Stars Enjoyer. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I check this out. This is so Polygon. I'm looking at a Polygon headline right now from last week. Why the Baldur's Gate three bear sex scene reveal hits so hard. It's a great <laughs> meme because of the bigger picture. So I will say uh, I play a druid in World of Warcraft and I can shapeshift into a bear and I am for story that has to do with situations like this. I that, just on a gut level, you know, there's nothing wrong with this. This is cool. Yeah, right? I, I'm also fine with it. Second, from a marketing standpoint, this is genius. This is like memeable. It's really funny. It like kind of shows off just the ridiculousness and like the vast story beats of Baldur's Gate 3 that apparently will exist in there. 17,000 endings. I, I, you know, I believe it that we didn't think we would see. In fact, Larian Studios got temporarily banned on TikTok. Or they, I don't, I don't know if they got unbanned yet, but they got banned on TikTok. Um, but that makes it even more viral, and that makes it even more of a story. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's what they wanted for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that, Matt, thoughts? You're being awfully quiet over there. Uh, I'm I'm all for it, really, in every capacity. Um, I think it's a little funky. I needed a clarification that it was a druid and not an outright bear. I was a little concerned at first. I thought it was just outright pushing beast. That <laughs> That's like, whoa, where do I find it? I mean, for, ro- for I was research. Like, uh, yeah. I was like, yeah, for research to talk about on the podcast. But um, no, I'm all for it. I'll be curious to see how much of that is actually included in game and how much of that was just kind of shock factor for marketing. But uh, no, I think it's great. And um you know, yeah. And in regards, Matt, how do you, how would you go about question. having sex with a bear and how does one deal with the claws? Also part of Rasmus's question. Um, you wear a like mm-hmm. plating, basically like armor, like all around everything, but <laughs> your, <laughs> your genitals. So where it's needed. So when the, when the bear is hugging you, when the bear is hugging you, it's mm. just hitting the claws. That was actually right a surprisingly, surprisingly good answer. it's just hitting answer. the armor with its claws. And not yeah. Right. yeah. See, it, I think kind it depends really on the bear. Because like, okay, <laughs> is this the kind of druid where like they lose control when they become the bear? Because if so, I think... It, yeah. yeah. That so, bear seems pretty in so control if, in the if it's a bear that you're like, it is still like has the brain of a human and hasn't like gone some sort of werewolf situation, right? Yeah, hasn't gone feral. Hasn't I, gone and feral. And druids, it's not really typical to, for druids in fantasy to like become feral. They're usually fully in control uh, unless they're getting mind controlled or something like that. I think you're pretty safe. I actually don't think you need the armor. I think the claws would be difficult to deal with. And like there's some sharp fur that you have to deal with there too. But... To be honest, I mean the it's it's consensual. Both both people are into it. I think I think it'd be a lot easier. I don't think there's armor needed. It'd just huh. be a little spiky fur situation. Yeah. Yeah. Some people right. like the there fur. You go. On this. Thank you, uh, B Stars and Joyer ninety four for the question. <laughs> um, all right, everyone. I think that's all we got today. As always, you can follow the podcast at TFE Podcast. That's at TFE Podcast with an S at the end. As well, you can also um, go to our link tree, any of those social media handles, and find the link to our Discord. Best place to reach myself, Lucas, um, Milkman Chambers, or Hot Mickey. And then as well, of course, you can shoot us in the email at thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com. Shoot us a mailbag question. 
Um, love to hear from more of you as well. And as of course, you can also go to our website, thanksforplaying.live, where we do have some written content up there, as well as you can find some easy links to the Discord there as well. All right, everyone, this has been Thanks for Playing. Catch you next time. Scooby Bop! Thanks for Playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch and Red Circle. 